recently I heard of a missionary who was speaking to a Muslim gentleman in a Middle Eastern country and he'd been told by a fellow Muslim he was never to read the bits in the Bible in red. Today, our entire reading is in red. The words of our Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Matthew 5, 13 through to 16. I think Daniel drew the short straw when these sermons were being given out. Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Thank you, Bruce. Thank you. Good morning. And um, I didn't draw the short straw uh, with that passage. I, I selected it, actually. I could choose any command I wanted, and I was like, man, I love salt and light. Um, just so I could bring my bowl of salt and uh, my lamp alongs. So, I hope you're well this morning. Um, I'm not sure what week you've had, but I hope you've had a great week. Uh, those parents who are like, man, there's one more week of school and then school holidays are crazy. Um, I hope you're excited about that. Who's excited about school holidays? There's a few parents, just the teachers in the room, I think. <laughs> a bit of rest without kids. Parents are like, man, I've got kids for two weeks now. So, uh, let me pray as we get into our passage this morning. Dear Lord, I just thank you that you've brought us here this morning. Lord, I thank you for the weather. And Lord, I thank you that you've, uh, you've given us your son, Jesus. Lord, you've given us these instructions on the Sermon on the Mount to live by and to be guided in our life. Lord, I pray that you just uh, help us focus this morning, Lord. Lord, keep us, um, yeah, keep us connected with you, hearing what you're saying in our spirit, in our heart this morning, so that may, we may leave here and, uh, and not forget it, but just really apply what you have to tell us this morning. Amen. There was a guy who walked into a grocery store, similar to a 7-Eleven store. And he walked up and he, he went to the counter and asked the, uh, the guy at the counter, who was the owner of the store, do you guys sell salt? And the owner goes, yes, we do, and takes him to the... Uh, takes him to the aisle, there's only a few aisles in this store, and takes him to it, and he's got a whole shelf full of salt. There's things like Himalayan rock salt, he's got table salt, all different types of salt on the shelf. And the customer goes, man, you guys sell a lot of salt for a little store. The owner goes, hold on a second, wait till you see your warehouse out the back. And he takes him out the back, and they've got two shelves out the back. It's dead, almost the whole warehouse is dedicated to these boxes of salt that they've got in there. He's going, man, you guys must sell a lot of salt to store so much in your warehouse at the back. The owner goes, wait till you see our shed out the back. And he takes him right out the back to the shed. The shed's bigger than the store. 
and it's lined with boxes and boxes of salt. The customer is just going, wow, for such a little store, you guys sell so much salt, having so much storage. And the owner of the store goes, no, we actually sell hardly any salt. But the salt supplier sells a lot of salt. <laughs> we come this morning looking at our passage in Salt and Light. And it's good to note first, uh, as we look at this series on the command of Jesus, the biblically important, biblical importance of both of these things. Salt, um, just like it is today, is used to season food. We see back in Job that um, they use it in various meals to season food. Who likes salt on their food? Yeah? Um, you'll find that most foods we eat, there's some sort of salt in the food, whether it's added before or we add it afterwards. So it's used to symbol season food. And same in the, in the Bible times. One of the crazy things is also, in Leviticus, I found that when they, when they were called to offer the grain offerings to God, the grain was seasoned with salt. It was also used as a symbol of the covenant between God and Israel. Salt had such a high significance in the Bible that it's used as that symbol between God and Israel, the symbol of the covenant, the symbol of the promise of God. And if you know the nation of Israel, if you know where it's located, and if you know one of the biggest seas in the nation of Israel is the Dead Sea. And one of the key characteristics of the Dead Sea is that it is very salty. It actually, per ton of water, it has 13 times more salt in the Dead Sea than the Atlantic Ocean or any other ocean in the world. More salt than that. So when you think about the nation of Israel, when you think about God's giving these promises, the Israelites had an endless supply of salt. Endless supply. God had blessed them with so much salt as a nation. And so in that significance is where we come and see this command that Jesus brings. And the command is that you are the salt of the earth. Now it's believers. He's talking to believers here. He's talking to those who, who follow and trust in Jesus. And he's saying that as a believer, you are the salt of the earth. I find it significant here in this command that Jesus doesn't say you will become the salt of the earth. Jesus doesn't say you should be the salt of the earth. He doesn't say that you can, if you earn a certain reputation in the church, you become the salt of the earth. He doesn't say if you reach this certain theological knowledge that you become the salt of the earth. He simply says that you are the salt of the earth. So if you're a believer here today, and if you trust and love Jesus, you are the salt of the earth. This is you. You are the salt. But what does it mean to be the salt? Before we get there, Jesus asks a question. And it's one of his like rhetorical questions sort of things, but he does give an answer. It's confusing at points unless you read it with some sort of application. The question is, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? Now, for those who know about salt and those who um, understand that salt can't actually lose its saltiness. 
Salt is and will be always salty. I wonder if Jesus knew that in that passage. I think he did. Because it doesn't say that it can lose its saltiness. He asked the question, but if. If salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? I think one of the ways when we look at saltiness is that salt will never lose its saltiness. But there's something, it loses its effectiveness of how salty it is. When we add it and we dilute it to food or anything like that, you'll find that you can't taste the salt as much as if you were just to grab a handful and shove it in your mouth. That's going to be very, very salty. But if you put a handful of salt in, uh, in your cooking, in your food, it does dilute the salt. And so that you can eat a handful of salt, but just with other things and with other food. And that's significance, I think, in this question of when salt loses its saltiness. I don't think salt can lose its saltiness, but I think when Jesus is talking here, there's some things that can dilute our saltiness. There's some things that can dilute our effectiveness as children of God, as believers of Jesus. I think it's also significant, his answer. It is no longer, no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. If salt loses its saltiness, if we as believers lose our saltiness, we are no longer good for anything but to be trampled underfoot, to be thrown out. We are without worth. I think there's some weight to this passage. Such a small part of scripture and we can so easily skim over it. But there's so much weight and Jesus it really hits the believers hard and hits us as the church hard with this passage. If we're losing our effectiveness as believers, if we're losing this saltiness, we aren't worth anything. We have lost our worth. That's hard hitting for me. I'm, you know, I'm thinking about my life. I'm going, am, am I salty? Have I lost my saltiness? And that's something good for us to think about as we come and have a look at this. If salt loses its saltiness, it's worth nothing. It's not effective. That's the command of salt. Then we come to the second command, which is the light. In the same way as salt, Jesus brings this command that you are the light of the world. Same thing, you, you don't become the light, you shouldn't, it's not you should be the light, is you are the light. You are the light of the world. Do not hide it. That's the command. Do not hide your light within you. You are the salt, you are the light. So I want to encourage you today as believers, this is encouragement as well, that if you love Jesus, you are the light of the world. You have the light. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to become it. You are the light of the world. And that is some great encouragement as we read these passages. Light also has a great significance in the Bible, probably even more than salt, because light comes in right from the start. God spoke light, and it was good in creation. God is light. We hear that God is actually the symbol of light. He represents what light is. And in the same way with this light, 
if we are to follow Jesus, this path of righteousness that we are to lead is a path of light. Such significance. And as Jesus came onto the earth, he was the light. He is described as the light of the world. The same thing that he passes on to us. Jesus then passes in this sermon that you are the light of the world as well. God is the light. Jesus is the light. You are the light. The same light that comes from God the Father through Jesus to us is the light that lives inside of us. And in the Bible, you'll see this battle. There's this constant battle between light and darkness, between Satan and God. There's this constant battle that we see. It's this spiritual battle that's going on in the way people act and what happens. And this battle, it comes to a point when Jesus came down to the earth. Jesus was the ultimate savior, the ultimate leader of God's army. And he defeats darkness. And he defeats it on the cross. This cross of Jesus Christ. This cross where he dies. And it seems like darkness has won. If you were living in the world at that time, and you look at Jesus dying on the cross and the suffering that he had. And as he was on the cross, even at midday, that it goes dark. That's significant. It looks like darkness has won. Looks like darkness has overcome the world. But we know that after three days, Jesus rises again and he defeats darkness and he brings light. And this is the, this is the hope that we have. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus is that he has defeated the darkness. And in that way, he's defeated the darkness. He has allowed us to walk in the light. He has allowed us to be the light of the world. In Luke 11, 33 to 36, it says, No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is a lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is also full of light. But when you are unhealthy, your body is full of darkness. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it dark, it will be just as full of light as when the lamp shines its light on you. No one puts a light, lights a lamp. No one turns on a light or when someone builds a house, no one just puts a light in this random dark corner. We put it so that you can see the lights here so that you can see the stage, their position well. We don't get a light and turn it on and then turn it around, put it back here and hide it. That light's not doing anything if it's doing that. In the same way with us, Jesus, if we are the light of the world, we're called not to hide it. We should get our light and display it. Put it up. May it shine upon others so that they may see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. This light that we have should be displayed at all times. 
And not just in part of our body, not just in part of our week. The light should be at all times. It should be throughout what we do with our hands. It should be the way I think. Our light should be shining from our eyes because it's a lamp of our body. When I used to work at Zups as a car salesman, I recall this moment where a customer came in to buy a car off me. And there was something special about him. There was something different about him. He had this sense of glowing, shining about him. And I was just going, there's something different. I met, you know, I met a few, um, maybe five people per day, um, maybe more than that per week. And everybody was different. But there was something different and significant about this person. There was something glowing. There's something exuberant about him. And I was going, he must know who Jesus is. I just had this sense that he knew Jesus. He had the hope and he had the light and he was the light of the world. And as we were talking, I found out that he was. He was a follower of Jesus and he was so excited to make sure that I, as a car salesman, knew about Jesus. He didn't know I knew about Jesus, but um, in our conversation, he wanted to make sure that I knew that I knew the hope that Jesus had for the world. This was the light. I find this with multiple other people. When you go and meet them and you see them, that there's something different about them. There's something shining, not physically, but you can almost feel this sense of light that comes and shines from them. This, I believe, is what Jesus says when we're the light of the world. We should be people in the world that just shine. And as believers, we should be able to see people who are believers in Jesus. We should be able to see people who are followers and they should just shine with this gospel light, with this light that Jesus has given them. And it should just shine from them. And I find that with many other people, you just go, there's something different about you. There's something significantly different about you as I meet you. And as I get to know you, I know that you love Jesus. It's something different that non-Christians don't have and cannot have. You know, you see people who are happy with life and everything like that, but they don't have this same light. They don't have this same glow about them that those who love Jesus. And this is what we are. As the church, we are the light of the world. We don't become it. We are the light. But there's a significance that we can hide our light. We can go about our day. We can go about our week. We can be in our workplace and we can hide that light. We can hide that hope that we have in Jesus and just go about do whatever we have to do to achieve the income that we are given and then go home. We aren't called to do that. We aren't meant to be that. We are meant to be the light, and that light should be shining at all times in every area of our life. And it's significant to do that. We should be able to go and buy a car. We should be able to go in and, and buy groceries and be the light of the world. Go in and get fuel and be the light of the world. And those who don't know Jesus should be able to look at us and go, there's something different about you, but I can't put my finger on it. There's something different about you that you're different than everybody else in the world. And I think as the world becomes more dark, 
as there is more darkness in the world. Uh, Daryl mentioned in his prayer about the terror threats that we've had in London, the things that are happening. Our world is not light. Our world is not a world that is loving and caring. It doesn't display what Jesus has called the world to be. Our world is dark. There are things that are happening. There's really bad things happening all over the world. Some are publicly displayed and on the news, like we can see what's happening in London and here in Australia. Some things aren't displayed, like what's happening in Syria and those countries around Syria. Of the Christians that are just getting martyred on the cross, getting crucified for their faith in Jesus. Our world is a dark place. And as believers, we are the light of the world. And we are meant to shine our light in this dark world to show people to Jesus, to show people to this path of righteousness and this path of light. And I see, as the church, we are called. We're not called, we are the light. We are the light of the world. If you recall my story before about the uh, the grocery store. All that salt that they had at the grocery store, boxes and boxes and containers of salt, is, is great. And as I look out on the congregation here, if we are the salt of the world, we, we are just like that grocery store. But the problem with the grocery store, the problem with it, is that salt, because it's on the shelf, because it's in the warehouse, because it's in the shed out the back, that salt isn't being used for anything. It's sitting there, and it's sitting there, and it's not being used. It's not effective. If salt's sitting on the shelf, it's not effective. It's not going to season food unless somebody picks up that salt and uses it, unless we use that salt. So in the same way, well, we are the salt of the world, salt of the earth. We need to use our saltiness. One of the great characteristics about salt is that salt creates thirst. When you eat a whole, bunch, a whole lot of salt, we become thirsty. And in the same way, I think we are called to be in this earth to create a thirst for the gospel. As we're shining our light, as we're being the salt of the earth, it'll create a thirst for the gospel, a thirst for this good news. If we're being the salt, if we're being effective in our ministry in this world, we will create this thirst for the gospel, that the Holy Spirit will work inside the hearts of those that we meet, and it will make them want to. It'll make them thirsty for the gospel. It'll make them thirsty for Jesus. And so if we're going to be the salt of the earth, we need to create this thirst for the gospel thirst that will never be put out. That'll never lose its saltiness. We need to make sure it's effective. But as I said before, there's some things that make us ineffective. There's some things that dilute our effectiveness as the salt of the earth. And so there may be something in your life, there may be something that's, that's affecting you to be the salt of the earth, to create this thirst for the good news, this thirst for the gospel. And it may be something that's distracting you from engaging and being the salt of the earth. I encourage that you discover why that is. 
and get rid of it. You know, Jesus used some harsh words when he's speaking about getting rid of things, you know, gouging out your eyes and, and all that, the things that are harming you and getting in the way of your faith and your journey with Jesus. And so in the same way, we should be following those things. We should be obeying these commands that Jesus has for us and becoming these things. And I don't know exactly what it is for each and every person. And I could make a broad brushstroke that we need to do this. But individually, it's, it's something different for everyone. There's something that's in the way of us being effective as the salt of the earth. So salt creates thirst. Should create a thirst for the gospel as we are in the earth. And if we're shining our light in the world, this light should draw people to, to Jesus. This light should glorify God in the way that we are. So are you shining your light like Jesus has called us, as, like Jesus has commanded us to? Are you shining your light? Is, it, is your light hidden inside of you? Or is your light being displayed by good deeds? Is your light being displayed by how you act and what you do and your attitude and your heart? Is it being displayed in a way that people will see the light? That I can look out and look at you and look in your eyes and see the light and the hope that Jesus has for you? Is that the way you're living? Is that what you can see? In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We aren't the salt of the earth just to be salty. We aren't the light of the world just to shine lights on others, to shine lights in people's eyes, to walk around with torches. We are the light of the, of the world and the salt of the earth to give glory to our Father in heaven. And that is what we're called to do. And that is what we are called to be. So let's glorify God in our good deeds. Let's glorify God in what I do. And let's embrace the salt that Jesus has given us. Embrace the light that Jesus has given us. And live as people who are salt of the earth and are light of the world. Let me pray. Dear God, I just... I just thank you for this reassurance of, of who we are, of who we are in you as our faith, in our faith and in our love and in our life. Lord, I pray that you would help us discover and see what, what is getting in the way of us glorifying you and being effective in your world. Lord, I pray that you would just help us to understand this. Help us to understand what it means to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And may you reveal that to us so that we may glorify you and love you, Lord. Amen.